Hello, this is Michael Broom of the Good Public Brand Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast this week. If you want to listen to this, make sure you subscribe to the Good Public Brand Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or any um, any platform that you listen to a podcast on. It should be on there. And um, it's on Anchor also. So make sure you listen to this week's podcast. Um, this podcast is about fatherhood. Um, discussions when it comes to fatherhood or anything else that is related to fatherhood. So, um, this week is going to be a very good episode. Um, I actually have a guest this week. Um, his name is Mark Winkler, and he is a father, family man, and he's a youth and parent advocate. And he's also author of the soon-to-release book, and it's called My Daughter's Keeper. So, I just want to let y'all know um, what y'all are getting yourselves into this week. Um, this is episode 11 of the Good Father Brand Podcast. Um, I hope y'all enjoy it this week. Um, just to let you know that, um, like I said before, just um, give, me, give me a subscribe, listen, anything like that. Um, also, make sure um, that, you know, you tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend about this podcast. Um, that would be a great help. I want to spread the awareness of fatherhood as much as I can. Um, um, there any speaking opportunities if you want um, to contact me in regards to fatherhood, if you want to invite me to speak somewhere or to give words of encouragement or to help out um, anything in regards to fatherhood, I'll also um, be glad to do that also. Um, just let me know about it. All right, without further ado, I'm going and um, get the interview started. Um, y'all enjoy. All right, everybody, this is a um, new episode of the Good Father Brand Podcast. I have a very special guest with me right now. He is a, um, a family man, youth and parent advocate and author of author also and a father and um, of the book that's going to be released soon called My Daughter's Keeper. Um, I got Mark Winkler on the line with me. Um, and um, thank you, Mr. Winkler, for being a part of this podcast. It's, it's my pleasure, Michael. That's why I, I look forward. I look forward to talking with you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And um, all right. And um, usually with um with the podcast, I usually um the I usually ask this um just one main question. Um, I usually ask the relationship that you had between you and your father. Um, you can go in and break that down um for us just to um see how the relationship was with you and your father. I always that's usually the first thing I usually ask. That's a great question, man. I mean, it, it was a you know, the relationship with my father, it was it was kind of in two parts. I, I didn't live with him when I was up until the age of about 11. Uh, I flew back and forth between the Midwest and New York, where he lived. And I was very young. So, I mean, as a kid on the plane, I loved it. Uh, my father seeing him. I didn't know him too well, but I got to know him a little bit over the summers, and, and that was fun. And then around the age of 11 or 12, I started living with him full time, and that was a different experience. Oh wow! <laughs> so you know, it was uh, it was it was the fun dad was was not so much present because now it wasn't him trying to put as much fun time in the summer as he could. He had to actually parent me and my older brother, so it was it was it was a challenging relationship because I was used to a mother's parenting versus a father's parenting. 
which is different, right? And the difference for me was my mother was the nurturer. It was a lot more, and I, when I say kindness, I don't mean my father was mean, but he was much more stern. Mm-hmm. And it took me a time to get used to that, Michael. So, so, so that relationship became challenging and it was rocky, but, you know, we survived. And right now, the relationship is very close. I appreciate all the lessons he taught me. He taught me to understand the value of my my strengths, my voice. Uh, so did my mother, of course, but uh, my father reinforced these things. And he um, he taught me to understand that I shouldn't take no for an answer, meaning that if I'm pursuing a, a business venture or, or something that I'm really passionate about, and I'm meeting roadblocks. You know, don't stop at the first door. If the first door says no, you have to challenge that no. You have to go around that no with whatever ingenuity possible. So he taught me that, man. So I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for the sternness. <laughs> it taught me It taught me a lot as well, man. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. So like, so before that time, you just flow out and saw them, you know, like during the summers or weekends and stuff like that. So it did become a transition between that and actually living with them. So it's like, oh, fun dad is basically out the window because he has to do the consistent day to day now. So I can see how that fun can be a different difference. Meals. He had to wash <laughs> clothes. He had to become a dad overnight, man. So yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't as fun for him or me, I guess. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a transition for the both of you. Exactly, it was, it was a major transition. I can fully understand that. Um, I know, um, I know, on um, my podcast, they always hear the stories about my dad before, but I do want to introduce that to you. Um, my experience is actually the opposite. I actually grew up without my dad. Um, okay. probably between the ages of, um, probably, yeah, probably between like three or four years old and the time I actually graduated high school at 17, I only seen okay. him like, I seen him maybe five times. That's it. Like he'll, he'll show up every few years, but every few years I have a, like three or four, like new siblings, like every time I saw him. So like the amount of siblings that I had grew as time passed. So I really didn't have the greatest relationship with him. I mean, even as an adult, it's been still on and off. And so I had to go into a situation. I actually had to like forgive my dad and to move forward, especially when I start having kids of my own. Um, I had to go through that transition. So it's interesting to see other perspectives of fatherhood. That's why I always ask that question of like the relationship between you and your dad, because everybody's relationship with their father is different. It's an important question, Michael, because relationship you have with your with with, with your parents um, and the um, and your children. You are because a child often, even without knowing, man, I found that a child would emulate their parents' behavior, their parents' actions, their parents' beliefs, and the more closer you are with your parents, the more you imitate those things. And just the opposite, the less closer you are, sometimes it's a harder journey to know just how to bond with your child. Not impossible. I mean, a lot of people overcome that challenge, mm-hmm. but we're human beings and we learn through example. We learn through seeing things, hearing things, 
And so, you know, those who are without father, without mother, when they become a parent, man, that's, that's, um, they have to look to other examples, you know, and then they have to look to themselves, I feel like, what, what have they become as a person? But um, that's a great question, man. I appreciate the question. Oh, yes, sir. Not a problem. I just I was always want to introduce that. I always start off with that because it's a great it's a great way to learn about someone of how they grew up with their parents, like what their experiences were like, what were the, you know, the challenges and struggles with that. Um, like because for me, I know I had to deal with like, the, the, you know, like what identity, especially I was a male and, you know, growing up with my dad. That's OK. Like you said earlier, I had to look at other examples. It was either movies, TV, or <laughs> the um, the males that I experienced, like basketball coaches and um, males in the church. Because uh, I'm a preacher's kid, my mom was a pastor, so I got to I got to see other um, other males within my church. So I I just went by what I saw. So like, it, it, and now for me, that was my that was my learning curve. But that, yeah, that was pretty much my thing. And um, next thing I want to get into is um, I want to actually like um, just talk and discuss, you know, real quick about the relationship between you and your um, your children. Okay. And um, well, go ahead. Well, I mean, that's uh, you know, it's it's funny. I'm a both a biological parent and a step parent. Oh wow! Right? And, and so there's uh, there's definitely two dynamics working there. So as a biological parent, man, of course, you know, I'm getting to bond with my child and, you know, the child is, is bonding with me and, and we're experiencing all the things that, you know, a parent and the child can experience. Um, some, you know, normal growth and development of a child and, and, and teaching the child at their developmental stage where they are, you know, going out, experiencing life, you know, just finding out what the child likes and helping the child develop. Um, in this instance, I have three daughters, helping my biological daughter develop her interest and getting out of her way, right? Mm -hmm. Not trying to impose what I feel, this is what you should do, but but being a guide, really, helping helping to guide her in, in the spaces where she is and where I feel where she's expressing where she wants to go. So I feel, I feel complete freedom in doing that. Um, I don't feel encumbered in any way, meaning that I don't feel like I have to watch my steps. Now, I mean, I do have to watch my steps, and as a parent, you have to make sure that you're not feeding your child the wrong, you know, diet of information or even, you know, physical food, right? So, I mean, I have to, and spiritually, so I have to watch out for those things, but I don't feel imprisoned as a father in that I feel like I can freely do these. I, I have the, the opportunity to make mistakes, in that parenting dynamic with my biological child. For my stepchildren, it's different. I feel a little bit more constrained. I feel that I have to watch my steps more. Now, I don't mean this in a negative way. I mean, I am not the biological parent, right? So mm -hmm. I have to be very careful about overstepping those boundaries. I can't say, like I would say to my daughter, hey, hey you can't do that. You know, you're going in the wrong direction, or let's, you know, let's talk about it. I have to be more clever, and I have to watch. I have to be very careful with my tone. Even with my daughter, of course, I'm very careful. But if I say something passionately, my daughter knows me now. And she, and she knows that I'm speaking to her passionately about something that I feel strongly about what she should or shouldn't do. She understands that now. My biological children, 
they still have that 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 thought in their mind that you're not my father. So tone is very important because if I express myself in a certain way, they can take it as a parental uh, order, mm-hmm. right? And that creates a wall. So I have to, you know, with them, my relationship is a lot through their mother, meaning that, you know, I'll speak to the mother and I express, you know, kind of what I feel, what I'm thinking, and she will oftentimes interpret that to the to the to the to her girls, to the daughters. But I'm starting to develop a relationship now with them, and that's through trust and through time, figuring out, you know, kind of their rhythm and they're figuring out my rhythm. But I found that I have to be very careful and I can't rush the things with the with the with the stepchildren. Got you. It's like you don't want to rush that process. You want to take your time and be patient with it. Right, right, exactly. Got you. And um, how long have you been in their life um, when it comes to being a stepdad? Well, technically four years. I knew them perhaps a year and a half before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, really only about, when my wife will be married now, four years. Uh, actually, just, it's just we just... We just celebrated our fourth year anniversary. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So, technically, four years as a uh, a step-parent. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's definitely going to take some time. Um, For me personally, um, I've seen, like, I haven't, I kind of experienced a stepdad situation, but I was an adult by that time. So, (laughs) it was a little different, but, like, um. I can see why, you know, you would take your time and be patient with that um, when it comes to that. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say I have stepkids, but I don't. I got got two, but um, I have two kids. But, you know, um, one is biological and the other um, other isn't just because, you know, I, I just wanted to, you know, I just accepted that child into my life at a at an earlier period of time, just because the father wasn't involved. He didn't want to be involved or anything like that. So I just basically stepped up and just accepted that, you know. But So, yeah, but I, I have to. But I, I know that my kids will probably go into a stepfather situation in the future. So that's yeah, that, that's good to know that I got that in, the, um, you know, in the back pocket. So that's. That, that's that's very informational. Um, I do have to ask. Um, what are the most challenging things, in your opinion, when it comes to fatherhood? You can use your experiences or experiences that you've seen. Well, I think, um, and, and and part of it is, I'm experiencing that one of the challenges now. But I think um, one challenge is um, making sure that you are not deciding the child's character, right? Not, 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 not defining who the child is. And after what I mean by that is you have to be very careful and listen for cues about what the child likes, what the child is uh, saying that they are gravitating towards in terms of interest and being involved in that process and not be judgmental that right mm-hmm. not saying well no i don't think that's good for you i don't think i think this is what you need to do that's interfering that's that's sort of taking over the child's existence and i, I think parents have to be very careful about that and I, and I have to be very careful about that because i was raised 
you know, a certain way, to think a certain way, do a certain, do, do certain things. And, you know, some of those things worked great for me. Some of those things, you know, didn't work great for me. And I have to, you know, be very conscious when I'm saying, telling my child to do something uh, in that, am I telling my child to do something just in a robotic way because that's what I've learned as a child and as a young adult? Or am I telling the child what, the, based upon what the child is experiencing, right? And that sometimes, you know, takes, takes a, it's, it's, a, it's an effort to do that because sometimes you have to make very quick judgments, right? Mm-hmm. Or quick decisions. But, but even in those quick moments, you still have to say, how does this breath serve the child's interest, my child's interest, and where I feel my child is trying to go? Now, you know, some people will say, well, your child doesn't know they're a child, right? But as if you think back, when we were children, we had likes, we had interests, and at a certain point, we started to wonder where did those things go? And we matured and grew up, but some of those things were our passions, man. Mm-hmm. Some of those things we really loved to do, but because our parents didn't understand it, they didn't support it properly, or we may have gone through a certain education where we didn't learn enough to really be, to take and, and, and monetize and make money off of that. So one of the challenges is making sure that we're not drowning the child in what we believe as an adult. We have to say, what are they experiencing? That's one challenge. Another challenge as a father, man, uh, is, and I'm speaking as a father with a girl child, is that, you know, you have this, this child who, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. She's your little princess, right? And, and you are her center of her universe. And as the child gets older, my child is turning 12 soon. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm starting to see, Michael, that I'm becoming less of the center of the universe. She still loves me, but there's a lot of other influences coming in there. Mm-hmm. And I see that, you know, I'm preparing myself for those teenage years, man. So... When you said the question that you experienced or heard experience, that's the challenge that I'm, I'm bracing myself for. But uh, I'm doing it, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to do it in the way that I have been doing it as a parent. I give you, I give you an example. My child recently uh, wanted to get her hair cut, right? Mm-hmm. And I, um, she has very long hair right now. She wanted to get it cut very short, right? And my initial response was no, right? And then I started to think about that no. Like, why am I saying no, right? And I realized I was saying no because my mother and my aunt, they say no, right? They have this ideal of what what a, what a makes a girl or a woman beautiful and it's long hair. Mm-hmm. And so when I go, when I talk about things and how I was raised as a child, that is still in me. So my daughter said something to me. She said, Dad, look, she said, I want you to give me an answer about cutting my hair, not based on gender racism, she said. <laughs> and correct her and let her know that's gender bias. Uh, not gender bias, not uh, what your mother wants, not what your aunt, our aunt wants, not what you want, but what I want. And... And so she said, based upon that, give me an answer. And I didn't have a, I didn't have a reason for my no, Michael. I didn't have a reason for my no because she eliminated all the reasons why I would say no. So yeah, she did that all the way. That was very smart on her end. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, man. So they, they have this, 
they have these places where they're going but who they're becoming. And we have a choice as parents to either help them or block their way. And, and we're teaching lessons when we do that. For instance, real quick, if I would have said no, I would have told, and it would have been based upon the reasons, like I thought that, you know, women have long hair, my aunt, you know, my mother doesn't want it. That's teaching her that she should base of what she wants on what other people want. Mm-hmm. And that would have been a very negative lesson for her. So there you go. Gotcha. Wow. That... I can see how that can be a challenge. My daughter ain't going to be in her teenage years for another 13, 12 years. So I'm good. <laughs> but my son is almost seven. So his time is coming. But he kind of gives me like the same questions. Like he asked me before. He was like, because um, he, he was like, you know, my daughter, she's a few months old. So she's about to get, you know, she just got earrings. She got ears pierced. So my son was like, dad. Um, should I get my ears pierced? And I'm thinking, well, you six, like, but I'm going back to what my mom did me as a child. Like I couldn't wear earrings at all. And so she'd be like, no, you can't get it. No, no, no. And I'm thinking, dang, why, why would I say no? Like, why would I say yes? Is it because should I, should I want my child to be, have a freedom of choice to even do that? Or should I just right. go back to what I've been taught growing up? Like, boys ain't supposed to wear earrings. I mean, I want them anyway, but I was 18. I was grown. You know, that was that was my part of, like, part of rebellion. But when I did get old, I did do it. But it was a phase. So she told me right. it was a phase. So I think we, I think as parents, we do have a differentiate between giving our kids wisdom or just giving them a decision based upon what we experienced in our past. So it's hard to have that. It's a fine line between that. So It is. It is, Michael. And, and that's what I'm finding. You know, because I think that, for me, I have to look at very closely at each decision I make. You know, not each decision, but these, these really important decisions. Decisions that, knowing that when I make these decisions, it's going to impact her, not now, in the future, mm-hmm. right? And so, not just the fact that, you know, like, you know, your son wanted to wear an earring or my daughter getting a haircut, but about their ability to make choices for themselves or, or make a choice for what they want, right? And so, I, and, and so if I make a choice based upon what other people want and feel and believe, then I'm teaching her that that's what she should do, right? And so, again, I, you have to be, as a parent, I'm learning like that I have to be very careful about not walking in, in those in those types of, of shoes and in, in, in those footsteps. Mm-hmm. I can see that it's, it's kind of like you want to do it and you want to do it according to your experience. But also, you want to do it the right way. You want to put in put them in a good position for the future. I got you. I want to put them in a good position, man. It was a there's a book. Uh, the author's name is Khalil Gibran. And in one of the passages in the book, he talks about uh, a, a child uh, or a mother speaking to really a, a higher being about parenthood. And the higher being says, you know, look, we, you as parents, you are like uh, an archer and the child is like the, the arrow. And you have to be very careful on how you, you know, perform that thing that archers do when they shoot the arrow. 
you know, you can't say that the arrow is yours and you own it and you have to say this is, I'm shooting this into the universe. You have to be very careful how you guide that, that, that activity and that motion. That, so we have to be very careful on how we guide our children, man. And, 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 and we can't be ego-driven, we can't be selfish, and we can't you know, think in terms of ownership with our children. You know, because we don't own our children. We're, we're blessed to have our children for, in our life for a certain period of time, and then they're moving on, man. Mm-hmm. So if we, if, if we cloud their thoughts with a lot of things that are messages that are confusing, and we then empower them to hear and act on their own voice, that's going to come to haunt them later, and it's going to come back to haunt the parent. Mm-hmm. The child is going to come back in the best of way, and as a parent, we're going to have to deal with that. Yep. So, so now is the time to deal with it, man. Yeah, and I completely understand you on there, and that's a very good analogy. That, that actually creates a lot of like pressure and, <laughs> and a little bit of anxiety. It's like, okay, I need to do this right because <laughs> if I don't do this right, this is going to mess everything up. So yeah, it's it's a great blessing, but it's a great challenge at the same time. Being a parent, I think it's one of the greatest things that I learned about being a, being a parent. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. It's a wonderful journey, man. Sometimes on my Instagram posts, I put, you know, fatherhood is a wonderful journey, man. There's experience. Embrace and enjoy the journey. Because it is, man. And it's not something that I don't care. You can't read about it. I mean, you can read things in books that give you guidance, man. But the actual going through the experience, it really changes you as a person. You talked about it in the beginning. Like, you know, how do I see fatherhood as from my father's perspective and then as my perspective? And from my perspective, man, as, as a as a as a man, you know, it 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 it, it rooted me more. It, it 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 stopped me from being so wandering in my steps. And I actually had to say that I had to be more responsible because I have this human being in my life who truly is dependent on you one hundred percent for a certain period of time, and then they even when they stop realizing and they stop. Being Acknowledging that they're dependent on you, they're still dependent on your guidance and your support. Even going through those teenage years when they act like they're not, right? They, they, <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they, they still are. So it's an awesome responsibility, man. But uh, I, I'm sure as a father, man, you you can testify that it's a it's a beautiful thing. So yes, it's a wonderful thing. I know for me personally, I was actually nervous about being a dad. For the, first, for the first time, for me, I was nervous just because of the fact that, you know, I grew up without my dad. So I was okay. afraid I was going to do the same exact thing my father did with me and my brothers. And I was like, I'm not putting myself in that situation. I don't want to be no dad, man, because I felt like, you know, so I felt like, you know, being a absentee father was hereditary. Like it passes down. Like I, I didn't know any better. I didn't know that you choose the path on your life, not because of what your dad didn't or did do. Sure. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that's and one that, of the biggest that, things that I learned about that. And, that, and that's, those are very true words, Michael. I mean, we, we're not in prison. I mean, I spoke earlier about we, 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 we learn lessons from our parents, but we're truly not in prison to those, to those things, right? So we can always break through and break free. And, and I and I and I say one thing, man, and it's and, and it all to me it all boils down to love. And I was people saying that's corny, right? But for me, it, it boils down to how much do you love this child? And mm-hmm. if you say you love this child without 
pleasure, then there's nothing that you won't do. There's nothing that you won't seek to learn. There's no fear that you won't walk through because you, I mean, you're going to be fearful. As, a, as, a, as fathers, we get fearful about a lot of things. We get fearful about our child going out and leaving the house. At times, my daughter just went on a camping trip, man, and it took me four-day science uh, camp you know, trip, four or five days. And it took me up until the Friday before she left on Monday to make the decision. <laughs> <laughs> she was leaving on Monday, so three days before then. Now, the decision was supposed to be made months before, but it took me that long, man, because I was fearful about her not being in my presence and her me not being able to protect her. She needs me. The trip was like three hours away. Something happened. How can I get there that quick? So those are a lot of things we experience as fathers, man, and you experience is apparently what you're saying. And, and But we rise to the occasion, you know, and I think, and I feel when you, and when you do that through love, that you will find a way. And I completely agree with that. Like, it, if you make that, if you make that choice, you made that decision. You need to go along mm-hmm. with that. You gotta, you gotta go towards that path, and it's detrimental. Like I guess for me, I realized like, okay, I know what not a father's being having grown up without dad is like. I'm not trying to put my kids through that. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to, and if even if it's other young people that went through what I experienced, if mm-hmm. I can be that guide for them, if I can help them, I would. And a lot of times I've jumped myself into into those kind of situations that someone, uh, my son will have a friend of his, his situation is different from him. Like my son is used to, he's, he don't understand sometimes of why dads are not involved in their kid's life because his dad is. He don't get right. that there are people that are like that. And so I, I, I tell him, I was like, well, it's all about choices. I was like, if you make a certain choice, you live with it, whatever that choice is. You got to live with the consequences of that. So that's, that's just that's just one thing that I do like try to teach him about choices, and I had to learn that myself. But that, that's a very interesting. Um, that, that was a very good question. You know, uh, question we asked. Okay. Um, yeah. The, the next thing I want to talk about is um, um about your organization, um, Manhood Camp. Um, I want to find out how did you get that started and what is it about? Well, you know, I think when you mentioned about, you know, you sort of speaking to your child, your child's friends. And I think as, as, as fathers, as parents, really, we're natural mentors. Right. I mean, it's in us to do that because we do that really with our children every day. We are just parenting is a type of mentorship. My friend, uh, very good friend, Trayvon Phyllis, came to me with um, this idea of starting up a, a, a organization that worked with at-risk and, uh, youth and foster children, where at first it was just at-risk youth. Uh, later on down the line, we partnered with an organization that worked with foster children. So he came to me with the idea, man, and I, you know, I fell in love with the idea because I love working. I love the idea of doing something meaningful uh, to help children. Right. Especially children, as you mentioned, children without fathers. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of our work, you know, was not necessarily targeting that. But as we got into children referred to us and, and partnering with different schools and partnering with different organizations, 
we found that a lot of the children that we worked with did not have fathers in the home, or they had, you know, fathers on a very marginal level, as you spoke about with your father. You didn't see him a lot, you know, but we have children in all those categories. I, I you know, I was compelled to do such. I, I've been an uncle many times over. <laughs> and so I, I really wanted to, you know, deepen my involvement in working with youth and family. So I, I, I gravitated towards the idea. I got with my my friend, we, we started working, we got the uh, organization uh, classified as a uh, 50C3 nonprofit, and we start going out with mobile and what we do. So we go around a lot of different places. We take the organization um, work that we do, organizational work that we do to different different places. And so we've been doing that now for uh, close to, let's see, 2000, I don't know, it's coming up on 12 years, I guess now. So, um, We've been, you know, we've been blessed with them, you know, a lot of success with it. We've interacted with a lot of children, a lot of families, and we recently started a new component called the uh, Fatherhood Circle, uh, where we start working directly with fathers, man, and, and, and we don't work with them as active as we do the youth, but we uh, we work with them on a monthly basis in a support group type setting because we found that it's a lot of stuff dads want to talk about, man, and, and, and a lot of the organizations out there where dads can do that. They're court mandated, <clears throat> and you know when you're court mandated to do something, you don't speak as freely as when you're not court mandated to do something. So I can see that. <laughs> so the uh, the organization component of the organization uh, called Fatherhood Circle is an opportunity for fathers to gather once a month and just talk about being a dad and you know the challenges, the excitement, and all that comes in between. Cool. Wow, that's a very important and great organization. Um, that's something that is very needed in um, in our communities, our communities especially, because I know I would have benefited from a program like that because when I was a kid, there were no programs or organizations that was dedicated. And I also do like the bridge that you have with the young people and the adults. A lot of times that when it comes to fatherhood and that kind of impact, we do focus a little bit more on the children than the adults. So it's, it's good that that the organization has both. Yeah, absolutely, man. I found that, look, when you we try to get as many fathers of the youth that we work with, but of course it's open to all fathers. But I found that you do good work with the, with the children and you're not really, you know, working with the parents to see kind of, you know, what happened. Where, where were the downfalls? Where were the holes? Where were the slip-throughs? Then if you put a child back in that same environment without having any interaction with the parents, well, it's only a matter of time before the child just slips through again. So, so we, we're trying to build as close relationship with the parents as possible. Gotcha. And I can completely understand that. Like, um, like that's very just... I just love the way that that just bridges the gap. That's, that's a very... What's the word I'm looking for? It's a certain. I can't think of the word right now, but I just love the way it just fills in the blanks because mm-hmm. a lot of times it can be a lot of gray area when it comes yeah. to that. If you're right, absolutely. I just I just love the way that fills in. Like I know for me, I would love to create um, organizations that are dedicated to fatherhood. Like that. That's what's honestly really the main reasons of why I created a podcast and a, mm-hmm. and a brand focused on that just because right. for one, my story of what I experienced 
to mm-hmm. um, other people that's probably dealing with the same things that I dealt with or worse. And I just want to be able to create that bridge and create that gap for them. And um, what you're doing is so important, Michael, because you know everyone is not meant to do the same thing, right? So if I have an organization that works with youth and fathers, that's great. But it becomes greater when I have a a vehicle where I can talk about it, mm-hmm. right? So your podcast is the vehicle that you know I can say, "Hey, look, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it." Uh, Part of this is part of my story, which led me to do this, and so it's like pieces of a puzzle. So you know, if you're doing a jigsaw puzzle, I don't think any one piece is more important than the other pieces. Oh, I agree. I agree with that. Missing, the whole puzzle is not together. So, so we all work together, my friend. Yes, sir. I'm just glad that we're able to. Um, basically connect the dots when it comes to fatherhood as a whole, because I know it's not a monolith. It's not just one thing. It can be a, it can be various other things that leads to the overall journey of it. Absolutely. Yes, sir. And um, I do want to talk about just a little bit about um, about your book, My Daughter's Keeper. Um, um, can you explain to me what that's about? Well, it, 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 it came from, my experiences, it's inspired by my experiences and other fathers' experiences, but it's about a father who loses custody of his daughter through a series of experiences, and he goes on a journey to get his daughter back. And in the course of the journey, he not only, you know, has to deal with, you know, the court, the child protective services, uh, police and, and, a, and, a, and a bunch of other things, but he also has to deal with his own character, his own faults that led him to make the decisions where he was put in a position where he was in a relationship that was not necessarily suited for, you know, two people to have a child, right? And so as a result of that, you know, certain things happen. And so, so it's a very honest book. It's a, it's a book that looks at, you know, a person a man and things that he decisions that he should make and decisions that he must make once he's on, he's on that he's on a certain path. So for me, the book man was was necessary because you know I went through you know it was it's basically my journey, but you know some of it is is, is based upon other conversations that I have with fathers. Mm-hmm. But I, I felt it was necessary, man, because a lot of fathers go through this. And they don't necessarily have an opportunity to really sit and think about it. This book will help you to, if you've gone through this thing in your life, to help you sit down and think about the journey of going through a custody situation. But not not in a way where you can get angry at the woman or get angry at the mother, but you can honestly look at yourself, your involvement in the situation, and the things that you need to do. And part of that is perhaps challenging you know, decisions that the mother makes that's not healthy for the child. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't exonerate, it doesn't free the father, because it did, I, was, I wasn't free of the decisions that I had to make as a father, as a man, uh, now that I'm as a man moving into fatherhood. I'm prepared for that. Wow, that man, this book sounds good. <laughs> I want to go ahead, I want to go ahead and get it, man. That, that, I, and I love to read, I'm a huge reader. That is that's a that's a book that's gonna very that's gonna be very interesting. And I feel like a lot of people is going to basically learn from that story. I feel like that's something that's 
that is going to be an awesome book. I, I can I can tell. Well, I appreciate that, man. We, I'm doing it through a company called uh, November Media, man. I'm very excited. I'm going to be their first traditional publisher, uh, 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 on there on their new uh, press. And I'm very excited about it, man. We're looking to get it out right before Father's Day. So yeah, I was just getting ready to say, when is the release that going to be? That was, was going to be my very next question, when it was going to be released. I'm going to have to get – and Father's Day, that's a, that's a good time of the year. Very good yes, time man. to get that release. So, yeah, yo, congratulations on that in advance. And since you're going to be the first one, much. that's setting history right there. It, Thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate that. Not, not a problem, sir. Um, I do have to ask, um, how um, how can they um, reach you? Um, through um, It can be to any avenue that you want to um, discuss. So I appreciate that. Yeah, they can reach me through, you know, I'm on Instagram at uh, fatherhood underscore circle. I'm on uh, Facebook at um uh, uh, my daughter's keeper and uh, at the fatherhood circle. My web address is um, markrwinkler.com, uh, www.markrwinkler.com, or my organization uh, website is uh, www.manhoodcamp.org. Gotcha. All right. Go ahead and. I'm going ahead. I wrote down that, that information um, just in case I need it, too. So, Absolutely, yes, sir. All right. I got um, got everything down for you. Um, uh, anything that you wanted to say before we ended the, um, the episode? No, man, just that I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit of my story, a little bit of what I'm doing. And I'm just, you know, I just, um, you know, hope and pray that your podcast continues to grow, man. It's, it's necessary. It's needed. And uh, I'm really, just really excited that you're doing this uh, because it's important that fathers have a voice, man, and, and, and they're able to tell their story and connect with other fathers. Yes, and, yeah, you, and that's exactly the reason of why I created it in the first place. That's exact, That's the perfect exact reason. I wanted to give fathers a voice. I never heard a podcast that they talked about fatherhood, but it wasn't like specific. It wasn't like dedicated to fathers, period. So I was like, I was like, when this might be needed, I was like, I would want to hear something like that. I was like, well, okay, well, let me create it. Instead of just waiting on somebody to help me create it, I'm just create it on my own and I'm just take it from there. And that's a beautiful lesson for your children, man. You know, it's, it's if you see something that needs to be done, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> that's a beautiful lesson, man. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, but. Um, if you have anything else, um, I'm just, um, that's going to be the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for um, being the guest on um, today's uh, podcast episode of the Good Father Brand. Thank you, Michael. Thank All you right. very much. All right. Not a problem. All right. I went ahead and um, 